It's nice to have June and Richie back after they had been gone for quite some time. Welcome back to the two of you. I pray your time in Mexico was rich and full. They go down and and don't just go on holidays, but serve down there uh, some people who really need some service, and so I'm grateful that they can be there. Good to have John Hedges here as well. Glad you're here, John. Good to see you. John has been back and forth a bit as they transition. And so we're, uh, we're grateful that he's here as well. This morning, we are going to continue our series on connecting. We're talking specifically today about fasting, but it's interesting how food brings us together, isn't it? Um, you know, one of the things that I really love is that the staff here, uh, we have lunch together all the time, uh, very frequently. The four of us will just get together around the table in my office and we'll have lunch together on a regular basis, and it really brings us together, especially when... Uh, and I, some of you have heard about this one incident where there was one day when I was eating and some food actually came out of my mouth uh, in the course of eating. I think it was a piece of rice. Uh, we sometimes go to Opa, and so I probably came back from Opa, and I was eating some rice, and in the course of eating, uh, one of those pieces of rice came out and landed in the middle of the table, which was, I mean, I was a little embarrassed, but it was all fine until Jonathan ate it. Jonathan decided that, that, that this piece of rice on the table just didn't belong there. I guess he thought it was from him or something. And before I could stop him, he, he reached out and he took that piece of rice and he ate it. <laughs> and the point is, is that sometimes food indeed brings us together in special ways. So I'm grateful that the staff eats together. (laughs) And where does one take the sermon from there? We are actually talking about fasting, which obviously in some cases is a very positive thing. It would have been better maybe. This morning I want you to look at this list. There we go. Thank you. This list. Prayer, fasting, giving, serving, all of these are spiritual disciplines, and we've been focusing at the, uh, at the end of this series here for the last few weeks on spiritual disciplines. This is the last one today. Which one of these would you say is the most difficult for you to do? Or maybe I could phrase it this way. Maybe I could say, which one of these do you typically do the least? Or I could ask you, which one of these do you think is the least important of those? If you had to make a choice, I mean, it would seem as though you'd say, well, none of them are unimportant, they're all important, so we can't really make a choice and say, well, one is is least important. But what if you had to make a choice that one of these is least important? It's possible that you would choose fasting and say, you know, that's the one that's least important. I can't throw out prayer for sure. Um, If we didn't give, uh, there's certain things that wouldn't happen for sure, and and the Lord certainly doesn't want us to not serve, and so maybe it is fasting, especially if we can't see the connection between fasting and some other things in our lives and our faith, which is interesting. Right now in Africa, there are thousands of people who are coming to Christ through one particular ministry. I think it's in the country of Sierra Leone, and the leader of this movement credits it to one thing. He credits it to the prayer and fasting in which his church is engaged. And he would say that people are coming to Christ 
in droves, thousands of them, because of the fasting that is going on, which no doubt includes great amounts of prayer as well. Well, that's something to think about in light of this list. And again, I don't, we can't say, well, any of these is unimportant. But I don't know that we should be so quick to think that fasting is the one that we would choose if we had to pick one. Because maybe it's not quite as unimportant as we think. I want you to turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 4. What's going on here? Is that you or me? <laughs> yes, like I do every Sunday, Dawson. <laughs> Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. On page 682 in the Bibles underneath your seats if you want to look there. And let's just read this. It doesn't take long to read a couple of verses here. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And so Jesus, it looks like from the text, and the same thing is true in Luke chapter 4, that Jesus actually fasts for 40 days and is tempted for 40 days. We think he was tempted three times, or we tend to think in terms of that. He's tempted three times at the end of the 40 days. But it says he was tempted throughout the 40 days, and he was fasting for 40 days. And then, at the end, some special kind of challenges come. Um, And I just wonder if maybe it's the fasting that absolutely was necessary for him to get through those. We talk about him quoting scripture in response to those temptations, and he certainly does. But I think it is at least partially the point that the fasting and prayer that he enters into for 40 days gets him through this time. Now maybe the three, maybe there's something that he needed to have special preparation for, and maybe that's why they come at the end. Maybe he disallows them from coming until the end so that he can be prepared over a period of 40 days and fasting and then is able to take those temptations on. I'm not sure all the reasons. Maybe after 40 days he was at his weakest. And maybe it's only after he fasts and is especially weak after 40 days that the Holy Spirit can come and bless him in a special way so that he can deal with those temptations. And he needs God so much that it takes all that time for him to prepare. Well, again, the main point, I think, for this morning is that over a period of 40 days, Jesus fasts. And I just want to ask that question. Why did Jesus fast during the 40-plus days? Something must have been happening. And I think that you can think of some things. And so what I want you to do right now is just tell me, what are some reasons, some very specific reasons, why Jesus might fast during this time of temptation and maybe leading up to three more big ones that come at the end? Church? What would it do for him? Okay, draw him closer to God during that time, closer to the Father. Okay, so, and he would certainly have to be relying on God. Um, I have never fasted for even close to 40 days. 
Um, I don't know what my largest, longest fast is, but I'm sure that by the end I was thinking, God, I need you to be with me because this hurts or whatever. That would be difficult for sure. And I wasn't being tempted constantly by the devil during that whole time. Somebody else? What's that? It would. And, what, and what's the point, John? When a man is strong, he relies on his own strength. Okay. Yeah. And when you're weak, who are you going to rely on? I'm sure that's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians, when I am weak is when I am strong, because then I have to rely on the Lord. Well, there, I suppose we could come up all morning with reasons why Jesus might do that. There are three that I've thought of that I think are significant. Why did Jesus fast during the 40 days? <laughs> Guys, what's going on? Are you just messing with me? Okay, I have something to say right back, but I'm not going to say it. Um, at least three reasons why Jesus indeed might have fasted. First, because it strengthened his connection with the Father, and somebody specifically said that. And I think that is the case, that God blesses us with strength in him in the midst of, of the trial even of fasting. Well, because it was the beginning of his ministry, So it wasn't just that he was being tempted, but it was also the start of his public ministry, and he needed strength and guidance, and by fasting, he would be focused on the Father. And then God would, of course, give him some special blessings and direction and guidance because of that focus. And then the most obvious reason is because resisting temptation was then easier. Something happened between Christ and his Father through fasting that enabled him to be stronger. And so he was stronger against temptation because of the fast that Jesus endured. Well, I think those begin to answer the question, why fasting? There's connection with God, focus on God, gaining strength, guidance in the process. All of those things make sense. Fasting connects us with God in a way that would be absolutely beneficial. And so it makes sense that in the context of a series on connecting with God, that we would certainly bring up fasting as one of those spiritual disciplines that is going to bless us. And I would say that there is other scriptures, and that there are other things that we can gain by continuing to explore the subject of fasting in the Bible. And so I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. This one we know fairly well. This is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus goes into a section here where he actually talks about some spiritual disciplines. He doesn't name them that. But that's what he's talking about here in the Sermon on the Mount. In verse 16, he says, When you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. If connection with the Father, strength, guidance, and the ability to resist temptation are going to be the result of fasting, who doesn't need fasting? And maybe that's why Jesus, here from the outset, just assumes that his people are going to fast. Twice he says in this text, when you fast. And that sounds like an assumption. 
And it's interesting because I don't, I've never in my life as a Christian automatically assumed that all the Christians around me were fasting or that some of them must be because we're all here. I don't know how many people are here this morning. If there's 100 people here, well, 10 of you must be fasting. 10% at any one time must be fasting. I don't think in those terms. In fact, I am more likely to think, well, no one's fasting. But Jesus assumes that his people are going to fast. And then I want you to notice verse 18. Verse 18 specifically says that there will be reward that comes with fasting. Which is interesting because that's probably the number one question that people ask about this particular discipline. What is it that would cause someone to fast? What goes on here? Why would God call us to actually take the time to fast? And here are some things. We've already talked about some of these. I've got a big long list here. Look at this. There's more on that screen that you can digest right now. I encourage you to, look, to uh, maybe take a picture of this or listen to the podcast again. But I wanted you to kind of be over, uh, bowled over by uh, all of these, all kind of at once. Connection with God, focus on God, better able to hear God, a strengthened presence of the Spirit, strength to resist temptation, strength for ministry, clarity of spiritual thinking, insight into what is going on around you in the world and in people's lives, ways to handle a life situation, better understanding of Scripture, ways in which you might better serve. All of these, I think, come to us, in fact, I think came to Jesus in the midst of His own fasting. And so it makes sense that we would take this very seriously and not just say, well, this is one of those disciplines that we can kind of just let go of. On Thursday night in our life group here at the building, we were going through this same lesson, as our life groups, many of them do, uh, join together with the sermon series, and I said to them, so what do you think the benefits of fasting would be? And it was so cool because there were so many things that I had not thought of, probably never would have thought of, but my group just came up with more. And so here is their list. More time spent in fasting instead of food prep. Not bad. You're not preparing food, so you got more time to think about the Lord. A group fast would bring us together. And I think there's something to that. We've already said that there can be fellowship that takes place when people fast. There would be alignment as we all focus on a better thing than food and filling our stomachs. The group was talking about how we'd all be lifted up together to a different and, and better perspective. We would get God's attention with our seriousness. I, I, I love that. The idea that God would look at us and go, these people are serious. Who knows the ways in which he would bless us because of that. Relying on God to get through hunger rather than buying food to satisfy. Like we, Maybe we can rely on him in times of temptation, but even relying on him in because we're hungry and, and not on the food that always, what do we say? Comfort food? We would be giving up something we love, food, which means sacrifice. And in this, we will be blessed when we make sacrifices for the Lord. It fulfills the idea of taking up our crosses and denying ourselves. We would have fellowship and fasting rather than food fellowship. That's interesting. We tend to equate our fellowship and the blessing of being together with food, which is so true. And they said, wouldn't that also happen, though, in the midst of fasting? And I think I agree. Well, all of that, for sure, is blessing. Um, it would allow us to concentrate on time to pray for the church and its leadership. 
And therefore, fasting leads to the filling of leaders with God's Spirit who is accessed through fasting. And let me just say, on March 30th, our elders and staff are going to get together with their spouses, and we're going to spend the day together. This is next Saturday. On Thursday night of this week, we've asked each other, we're all going to participate in this, we're all going to fast beginning Thursday night after supper. We're going to fast through that evening. We're going to fast all day Friday. We've asked people to, or we're going to ask everyone to write down things that they reflect on and think about during the Friday. And then on Saturday morning when we get together for our retreat, we're actually going to break our fast together and have some some fellowship. And so I'm just wondering if that's not going to be a really rich time. And I wanted, I said this to the group on Thursday night, what I should do now is I should ask the rest of the church to fast with us. This only makes sense. And so if you have the freedom to do so, if you desire to do so, I want to encourage you to start fasting on Thursday night, fast through Friday, break your fast on Saturday morning, and in the meantime, pray fervently for your leaders, for our elders and our staff and their spouses. And I know God's going to bless the elders and staff through their fasting. But when the rest of you all fast and pray as well, God is going to do something. I believe that. And so I want to encourage you to fast with us beginning Thursday night through Friday and then break your fast on Saturday. And I think that God is going to bless us for sure. Um, Somebody tell me who Anna was. Who's Anna in the Bible? When you hear the name Anna, what do you think of? There might, there might be more than one, by the way, but I've got one in mind specifically. Okay, the birth of Christ. What happened, John? Okay, well, you're right. It has to do with the birth. What's that? Okay, yeah. Can somebody else tell me about Anna? Yes. The text in Luke 2 actually says that she spent all her time at the temple praying and fasting. And this is just kind of a side note, but isn't it interesting that she's the one who goes over and says, there are going to be great things that come from this child. Why did that happen? Because God blessed her with special insight. Because when you're praying and fasting, spending all that kind of time, that's just what happens. I want you to turn to Acts 14 real quick. Talking about blessings of insight and good things going on because of fasting. Acts 14.23 is talking about uh, Paul and traveling around in his ministry. It says, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church, and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. Do you know the last time we appointed elders, we actually asked everyone to fast? In fact, I think the time before that, we also asked everyone to fast in accompanying that appointment of elders. They did this in the early church. Why did they do that? Because something powerful happens when God's people focus on something like fasting. In fact, I want you to flip back to this passage. Go to Acts 13, verses 1 through 4. We've looked at this many times, but look at this. It says, Now in the church in Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius, Cyrene, Manion, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul, and while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting... 
So they're worshiping the Lord and fasting. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And then the next verse says, the two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. And so the most significant mission sending in the history of the church happens specifically in response to the fasting and praying that the church does. And it just makes you wonder what would happen if the church took again seriously fasting and praying. Who would we send out? What kind of work would be done? What kind of evangelistic impact would there be if God's people just decided that they would spend some time fasting? Now, let me end this way. I can't think of a spiritual discipline more easily applied than this one. Think about it. We say all the time, I don't have time to pray the way that I need to. I can't get enough quiet time to spend the kind of time in prayer that I need to spend. I don't have the funds to give the way that I need to. I don't have the time to serve in the church the way that I know the Lord really wants me to serve. There's all kinds of excuses that we can come up with why we can't carry on with certain spiritual disciplines. But what about this one? When do you not have time to not eat? When do you say, I don't have enough money to not spend money on food? The notion of fasting, it is so easy, it can be applied anywhere, anytime, under any circumstances. The only time I can think of that somebody can't fast is because of health reasons. But other than that, it is so easy to fast. And what we have just seen is that there are incredible blessings that come out of the spiritual discipline, typically ones that we don't even think of. And so I want to suggest to you that you take seriously, maybe more seriously than you ever have before in your life, the notion of fasting. And I think that God is going to bless you and bless our church if you do. And even as I say that, and I have to admit this is just like, I mean, it's my thinking too, I'm not used to this. It would be a strange thing for me to think, well, every, every week I'm going to fast in the same way that every week I'm going to make a financial contribution. Or, there, you know, there's at least one time a week when I'm going to do something special in terms of serving the Lord. Those things, I think about them all the time. Fasting, I don't. And I think God wants us to. And so I want to encourage you to make fasting a regular part of your spiritual routine. I've been thinking in the last few days, what am I going to do with this? How could I make a regular fast a part of my week? And I'm hoping that you choose to do the same thing. Think that through. Pray about it. Maybe fast about it. And God will give you some insights into how we can participate together in a spiritual discipline that is going to connect us with God, connect us with each other, and allow God to minister in us in wonderful ways. Start slow if you have to. Work into it if you need to. Make sure you drink lots of water. But fast. And God's going to bless you. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would help us to think seriously about this discipline of fasting. 
we have not in the past taken it seriously. In fact, in many ways, it's just kind of been overlooked. And help us, Father, not just to use it on special occasions, but I pray that the gift of fasting would become in our lives a regular part of our spiritual routine connecting us with you. Help us to make that a reality. Bless us with your spirit that that might be the case. We pray through Jesus. Amen.